God bless you. Sarah Grace, thanks for sharing your testimony. Jennifer, thank you so much for helping her. Let me invite your attention to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles in chapter 4 as our children are dismissed to uh, children's worship. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We'll also look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, so if you'll join me there, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, I want to assure you, God is willing to listen to your desperate cry. And we're going to celebrate that during the invitation today. We're going to ask you during that time to bring your cards that you have this morning, 27-4 prayer, uh, prayer time cards and your two or three impossible requests. You put anything on that card, then during the invitation, we want to ask you to come forward and lay it on the altar as others did in our first uh, service. Go ahead and fill those out during the sermon and be ready during the invitation to share those with us. I believe God wants to hear your prayer, and I want to tell you why. I have a prayer kneeler in my office, in my study, where I take some critical requests, big requests to God regarding our church. I've got one at home where I take my family and my own self, but here at the church in my study, I've got a prayer kneeler where I've got a notebook and I have recorded prayer requests on behalf of our church family and our church ministry. Uh, I did, began this back in May 2018, and over these months, I have recorded 103 prayer requests, and I've kept track of them, and I review them often, and I've kept track of the answers. There are about 10 of them where I've gotten a no, 10 that have gotten a no. 18, I'm awaiting an answer. I'm still waiting on God to come through and to take care of those requests. But I've got 75 of them where there is a definitive yes before God. God wants to hear your desperate cry. I know He's heard mine. And I'm no better than anyone else. I don't fashion myself as a very great prayer. I believe in it. I wish I prayed more. I wish I was more of a prayer warrior. But God wants to hear our desperate cry through Jesus. One of those requests was uh, back in September. I prayed that God would come through and bless us with a financial miracle to meet our budget. Now, even if we don't, we spend less than what we take in. We're usually putting things in reserve and saving and um, giving more and more to missions, those kinds of things. So uh, we're, we're about every year in the black uh, anyway. But I wanted to do more than that and wanted us to meet budget. And so I pleaded with God in September that he would do something to where we could do that. Well, here's what uh, I recorded in my prayer notebook about, um, about that uh, request. I made that request September 16th, 2019. On the last day of this year, December 31st, I recorded, got it. Uh, about a week later, on Monday, January 6, 2020, uh, we had had other things come in postmarked. Um, uh, before the 31st, and I recorded, got more. On the 21st, just this past week, I recorded, we are 93,000 over budget. I should have asked, praise the Lord. I should have asked for twice as much. I, I recall asking God for 100,000 in December, and I should have asked for 200. But in any case, uh, thank God he came through. God wants to hear your desperate cry, and will respond even, even with these kinds of practical requests, financial requests. And I thank God for that because He promises 14 times in the Old Testament alone, 
I will answer. Or the prayer cries out, answer me. In all those verses in Psalms, Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, and uh, Zechariah. And then Jesus promised answered prayer. Whenever he said, it shall be given, or it will be done, or you shall receive. Multiple places in Matthew, one in Mark, Luke, and then multiple places in the book of John, the Gospel of John. Listen, sweet people, I want you to hear me. And I don't want you to forget what I'm about to tell you. Answered prayer can become the rule instead of the exception in your life. It can be. And this morning, I want us to look at how that can happen. Jabez prayed to a God who answered prayer. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It says at the end of verse 10, after his prayer, So God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. You can pray prayers that God will answer. Well, how can I do that? Well, first, magnify your Bible. Magnify your Bible. Magnify the Scripture. Psalms 138, verse 2. As surprising as it may sound, the Lord says here, or David says to the Lord, Lord, you have magnified your word above your name. God has prioritized his word, whatever's in his word, even above his name. And he's not going to violate either one of those. Uh, 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Magnify your Bible in your prayer life. Take note of what's there. Let me direct your attention to three things uh, that you can pray through using the Bible. There, is, there are God's Bible promises. Nehemiah 1.5 in the God's Word translation says, Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, you faithfully keep your promise. And that prompted Nehemiah's prayer for Jerusalem, and it worked. He got the walls built in 52 days uh, after his prayer time with God. Jonathan Edwards said this about God's promises. He said, That which abundantly appears in God's promises should abundantly appear in our prayers. In other words, God prompts specific prayer requests of the promises in the Word. And by low estimate, there are at least 5,000 promises in the Bible. The high estimate is more than 7,000. There is plenty in God's promises for you to pray about. So if something appears abundantly in the promises of God, make sure that fills your prayer request. And you know, by the way, the number one promise in the Bible related to prayer? Mercy. God comes and acts benevolently towards those who are in need. And that is a marvelous, frequently found promise in the Scripture. That appears abundantly in the promises, so it should appear abundantly in our prayers, and along with the other prayer requests and promises in the Scripture. A little tool that will help you is a really inexpensive book that comes in several forms, and that's Jack Countryman's book, uh, God's Promises for Your Every Need. This morning I took that little book and I prayed through a couple of different pages. It's one scripture after another, one promise after another, and pleaded with God to act according to His Word in that promise. So God's Bible promises. Then, God's Bible names. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 
number 8. He says something about his name. First Chronicles chapter 16 and um, verse number 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, you call upon the good name of God. That means that you call upon God to do what he has revealed himself as being. For example, he has said that he's Father. That appears most often in the Gospels, a startling revelation from Jesus in the Gospels. And so you ask in a circumstance, Oh God, you have promised to be a Father. Would you come through, Oh God, and act as a Father in this place? Would you do that? He is Yahweh. Uh, the name he revealed to Moses back in Exodus 3 and Exodus 6. That is, God will be who he has been. And so when we cry out to him and remind him that he's Yahweh, we're asking God to do for us now and in the future what he's already done for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Solomon, for the Lord Jesus and for the apostles. God, be for us in the future what you have been in the past. Elohim is the first name of God revealed in the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is the majestic one who does great and awesome creative works. And oftentimes we need God to come through in a great creative awesome work. So we plead with him to act consistently with his name. God will never ever do anything that can legitimately cause anyone to doubt him. He will always act according to his promise and his name. So pray, Bible prom- pray God's Bible promises. Pray God's Bible names. But also, pray God's Bible burden. God can take a scripture and put it on your heart and move you to pray for that. That's why it's so important to know the Bible when you pray. John 15, 7, he said, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. The word abide is a word of residence. It's a word of home. It's a word of comfort. And so, John 15, 7 can be understood. If you are at home with me, and I am at home with you, my word is at home in you, ask whatever you wish, it shall be done. So you come before God and you say, Dear Lord, I want my heart to be a place where your word is at home. I know the Lord Jesus, and now I want the word to be at home in me. I want the word to be comfortable in me. Would you take your word, some passage in your word, place it on my heart and help me pray for the circumstance or person. I do that with my children, for example. Since Jonathan was very, very small, I pray Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. So I've always prayed that Jonathan would walk according to God's plan. And as we guided him when he was younger, especially, that we would follow his plan as well. And folks, for 26 years, I've seen God answer that prayer over and over again for that young man. Uh, Hannah Grace, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. You are highly blessed among women. And I've seen that for 25 years now unfold in Hannah Grace's life. And then Sarah Kate. We're praying Isaiah 32, verses 1 and 2 for Sarah Kate, that she would treasure the reign of Jesus Christ in her life and be a refuge and a shelter for others. And for her 19 years, we've seen that unfold in her life. We're praying for Luke, Psalms 1. How blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So we're asking God to protect him from ungodly counsel, but more, we're asking God to make him godly counsel. 
Because verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So we're asking him to delight in the things of God so he can be godly counsel. These are the kinds of things God's placed on my heart to pray for my children. He's given me a burden for these. And I've got to tell you, when I go before God in prayer with that prayer burden that is defined by his word, I've got to say there is nothing sweeter. And the, the, the connection is no more intense in that time than any other time. What a wonderful thing it is to pray the scripture, to magnify the Bible. So magnify your Bible. But there may be another way to get your request answered especially if you've been praying for something and it's not occurred. And that is, modify your request. Modify your request. Look what Paul did in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, how he modified his request he had to. Because he'd been praying for something and God told him no. God told him no. And that is uh, apparently a physical ailment that he was dealing with that he calls a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God to remove it, and God essentially told him no, but gave him something else. Beginning in verse second, uh, 7 of 2 Corinthians, he said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul is asking for help from God to take away this physical infirmity, and God tells him no. God refuses to heal him. And by the way, let me chase something for a moment. Uh, when I get older... If you're still around, and I, I, I get older, and I get sick, don't pray for me to be healed. If I'm in my 80s or 90s, just let me die. I, I, I don't want to be here anymore, okay? I want to go on, all right? So don't pray for me to be healed. Ask God to have mercy, all right? I'd appreciate that. Well, this is what Paul is facing. God tells him no to healing his physical infirmity because he has something different for Paul, and that is more sufficient Grace. So Paul says, I'm going to rejoice in this physical ailment, this thorn in the flesh. It may be that like Paul, that if you've got a prayer request that you've been praying and it doesn't appear God's coming through, you don't have a peace in your heart about it either, you can't find something in Scripture to guarantee its answer, you may want to change your prayer request. Well, there's a third thing, and that is purify your life. Purify your life. My grandfather worked in the ship channel of the Port of Houston for many, many years, had his own electric company, and that means he got on a lot of international ships. And the heat, in Houston heat, now Houston has got to be the most humid city on the planet. It's a series of seven swamps. They built a city on seven swamps. Uh, I knew there was something wrong with that place because it was terribly, terribly humid as a boy. It was humid for him. He would be on these un-air-conditioned ships, ships without air conditioning, and he would get grimy and dirty and so He would smell like an electric factory coming out of that, like a foreign ship as well. I mean, it was just really, really tough. And he was a mess when he would come home from work. And so he would um, leave his truck in the garage. He would come out of the garage, walk to the house to a mudroom where he would remove his clothing 
and step into a shower and would get clean. And only after getting clean would he present himself to the family, come to dinner, and, and be with the family. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how God expects us to do with him. We come before God dirty. God wants us to get clean by his grace, by confession and repentance from sin, and then come to him. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I treasure iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Or if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. In other words, God will get our attention through unanswered prayer if there's something wrong in our lives that we haven't forsaken or turned from. Now, he wants to. He really wants to answer the request, but it's more important that we are walking faithfully and obediently with him. And so purify your life. Don't let there be any unconfessed sin. Confess sin just as quickly as it occurs. Make it right with God by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that opens up a new door, new vistas of prayer. Then next, crucify your bitterness. Jesus made this abundantly clear in Matthew chapter 6. And I know, I know what you're thinking. And yes, even him. I know what you're thinking. Even her, well, I don't feel like it, has nothing to do with feelings. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision. Verse 14 in Matthew 6, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is not apocalyptic language. This is not the book of Daniel. This is not the book of Revelation. This is blatant and clear. If we want God to forgive us, we need to forgive other people. It's precisely what we need to do. And just think about how bizarre it is to go before God and expect God to forgive us when we're not willing to forgive others. Well, you don't know what a monster this person is. I know, but listen, somewhere in the world, there's someone who thinks you're a monster. I know you've been bitterly disappointed and hurt, but... Hey, if you haven't disappointed someone and hurt someone already, it's going to happen. And so at some point, you've got to come to the point where you're willing to forgive and give that over to someone else. got to be really, really careful with that. So crucify your bitterness. Then number, number next, rectify your motives. Rectify your motives. Repair them. Make them right. James says in James chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 3, something about prayer and along uh, this particular line is precisely what he does. James chapter 4 and uh, really verse number 3, he says here in the uh, text, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. Now that's not a bachelor asking for a wife. You ask amiss, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, some people pray, James acknowledges, just so they can have some pleasure. The pleasure, perhaps, of revenge, the pleasure of getting their own way. And James says God's not interested in hearing selfish prayers. Instead, we need to pray in such a way that God and others will benefit along with us. It's okay to pray for ourselves, but we've got to make sure there's some benefit to God and benefit to others in our prayers. We need to rectify our motives. And then, finally, fortify your obedience. Fortify your obedience. Proverbs 28, 9, one who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer will be a what? One who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer will be a what? An abomination. 
That's really serious. Abomination is the most grotesque and scandalous public sin ever. Now, most of the time, these things are not public, but before God, it becomes an abomination. When we come before God in prayer then, we need to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. If God has prompted us and moved us, commanded us with something in the Scripture, we need to make sure that we do that before we ever expect God to listen to our prayers. And so, if there's some disobedience in our lives... If we've left something undone, sometimes God will get our attention by withholding the request until we make this right with Him. Obey Him. Now, i got to tell you, I think one of the biggest things in life that most people face when it comes to obeying God is the command to repent and believe the gospel. That is, we stop trusting in ourselves. We stop thinking this isn't a big deal. We stop having a false sense of security. We repent. We turn from that, and we trust only the death and resurrection of Christ as our hope for forgiveness and eternal life and salvation. So many people do not have answered prayers because they've never obeyed the gospel. They've never repented and believed and trusted solely in Jesus Christ. They still approach God as if they've got some personal virtue to offer to Him, like they're good people. Uh, as if they are virtuous, as if, you know, what's there not to love about me? And that will be one of the largest hindrances to prayer ever. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews 2, 1 and 3 say we've got to give more urgent heed to the things spoken to us. If we neglect so great a salvation, how will we escape? And so today, If you want to connect with God in answered prayer, you need to make absolutely certain that you have given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We will never reach God in prayer until we come through faith in Jesus Christ. And we want to give you that opportunity this morning. Will you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, thank you for friends today. Thank you that they've listened so well. Thank you that they've worshipped you. And I want to pray for friends today.